The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Praise the Lord. We love Carly. She's awesome. Grab your Bibles. We're going to look at Matthew. Uh, we're looking at Matthew's um, gospel today. So how many of you, this is your first ever time? Anyone first ever time in Faithful Church? I know you're not many to raise hands. A few people. Praise the Lord. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're very welcome here. How many of you, this is your home church. You're coming every week as much as you can. Praise the Lord. How many of you don't know why you're here? You just thought, just passing by for here. Praise God. Okay. Mic change. Here we go. Okay. So, uh, Matthew 14, let's look at uh, Matthew 14 together. And, um, man, we're so blessed to be here. This is our, one of our favorite places in the whole world. Eight and a half thousand miles away, but we feel like we're home. And um, we're just, we're blessed to be here, praise God. So, great things are happening in Faithfield Church. And I say this every year, and I mean it. This is the smallest you'll see Faithfield Church, and it's, and it's working out. I mean, and, and not just in numerically. You know, our job isn't to grow the church. Our job is to grow people. Pastors are far and cheaper are into growing people. They're into discipling people, empowering people. That's why we're kindred spirits, because our ministry is about empowering believers in the promises of God. And this is what Faith Hill does. So as we grow people and disciple people, the Lord will add to the number daily. And he's already doing that. But every time I come in, not just numerically is it better, but the worship and everything is just better, top-notch, excellent. So thank you, everyone, for all the work. If you just turned up, you know, this does not just happen by accident. This takes organization. This takes leadership. It takes uh, all, all week to make this happen, praise God. So you're blessed, amen. So uh, Matthew 14, we're going to look at a story in Matthew 14, uh, verse 13. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to go through it line by line. Is that okay? We're going to go through this story. It's going to really help you. The Lord spoke to me and gave me this word for you today. So uh, Matthew 14, verse 13 starts here. It's a very famous story. It's in all four Gospels. You've probably read it lots of times before maybe in Sunday, service, uh, Sunday school and things like that. But we're going to go through it. I believe the Lord has some unique points that he wants to show you as a church today and also as individuals. So when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. So Jesus is trying to get away on his own, but the multitudes just followed him. Verse 14, And when Jesus went out and he saw the multitude, and he, saw, and he, he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves some food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, Looking up to heaven, he blessed them and broke them and gave the loaves to his disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides the women and children. This is a powerful story of increase we're going to look at today. And, you know, the first thing I'm thinking of, this is the original all-you-can-eat buffet. These people ate all they could eat and more than enough. And I remember when I first moved to America... I was like, there's all-you-can-eat buffets. Pastor T's experience is all-you-can-eat buffets. I'm like, they didn't have those in England when we left. You know, we left England 15 years ago, and they didn't have all-you-can-eats. In fact, they had one place we used to go. You used to get one trip to the salad bar. That was it, just one go. So I'm a value man. I'm like, if I'm going to go up there once, I'm going to make it count. I mean, you don't go up there once. I've paid for it. So they give you a bowl, 
And I'm looking there, and they have whole tomatoes. And I'm like, well, they take up a lot of room in the bowl, so just put them in your pocket. So I put, in, put tomatoes in your pocket. Be careful not to sit down on them. So I'm, I've got like four tomatoes in my pockets. And then I get there, and I'm like, okay, I've got to be strategic here. So I use my engineering mind. I've got, I got the lettuce leaves, and I've got, I got made a wall around the bowl with lettuce leaves. And I use some salad dressing to stick it on there. And then I started to build it up with your protein, your chicken, your bacon, and I build out the heavy stuff at the bottom. And then more stuff on there, more, 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 more. And then it started getting bigger. And then I put used cucumbers around to enhance the fence around. So this is getting taller. Then you put the salad dressing on, you pour the salad dressing on. And then like the, the, the croutons and stuff like that, and the raisins, you can just throw them on. And they just stick on the side like that. I'm not kidding you. This bowl was about this round. My salad was like this. And you're walking back, you're walking back to the table like this. It's like an Olympic sport. And you can't even eat it all. But the point is, you want to get your money's worth. When in America, they just give you another, you go up again. I was like, I can go up again? They said, go up again. So I went, so I had my first plate, and the guy came to take my plate. And I said, hang on, big boy. I said, I said don't take the, this plate. It's going to do some work today. I said, this plate is going to get a workout. I said, if you think I'm finished with one plate, you've got another thing coming. And he said, no, oh, no, you get a new plate when you go up there. I said, ah, oh, a new plate. So I went out there, got a new plate. Anyway, I think I... Carly can verify this. Was the first time? Was it nine plates? I think, no, no, no. I was so sick. I was like, I couldn't walk. I was like, I was like a food coma. I was like, I'm going to show them. But, but I'm telling you, that was a lack of self I'm not endorsing this lifestyle at all. So anyway, my point being is I, I had all I could eat and more. I was full up. These uh, uh, men, 5,000 men. It says besides women and children. If women and children weren't there, we wouldn't have said besides women and children. So we can estimate there could have been 10,000, 20,000, maybe 30,000 people here. But even if there were just 5,000 people, that's impressive. I mean, you're talking about, you know, if there was 10, 15,000, you're talking about stadium size, um, you know, arena size place full of people and they're all fed. And they weren't just fed just to have enough. They were actually filled. It said they were all fed until they were full. They couldn't eat any more, and there were still 12 baskets full left over. Praise God. So let's look at this. I'm going to go through this because I believe it's really important we understand by faith what God has already done for us by grace. Amen. Jesus provided everything for us. I believe Jesus was grace personified. Jesus came down and died in your place. He took your sickness. He took your sin, guilt, shame. He took your pain, disease, um, in your bodies. He took your anxiety, your worry, your confusion. He took all those things. He took your poverty and lack and not having enough. He took all those things to the cross. He took those things from us. It's powerful. And then we get his health and healing. We get his righteousness. We get his provision, his prosperity, his riches. We get his peace of mind. Just like that song we sang. I love that. Praise God. That, that, you know, his, the seven redemptive names of God, Jesus fulfilled them at the cross. He fulfilled all those things. And now we get his righteousness. So if you, in your spirit, in the spirit, you are as righteous as Jesus was. And if that makes you type of thing, well, that sounds sacrilegious. I could show you 20 scriptures about how you take on Jesus' righteousness. So anytime you approach God and you say, well, I don't think I'm worthy. No, outside of Christ, you're not worthy. But if you're born again today, you're in Christ. And in Christ, he has made you worthy. You have his righteousness. It's not your righteousness. It's his righteousness you have now. And if you're not born again, it's very simple. Acts 2 verse 21. Acts 2 verse 21 says, Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word saved is sozo. Shall be delivered, set free, eternal life, made whole, prospered. 
made at peace. So anyone can do this. And if you're watching online, I know there could be people watching online, you've stumbled across this on YouTube, Facebook, on the website. You need to call on the name of Jesus. If you've never called on the name of Jesus, it's the most important decision you'll ever make. You call on the name of Jesus and you believe in your heart and you say it with your mouth, praise God. You can be saved today. You can be born again today. It's very simple. You call on Jesus' name and he'll save you. He's looking for people, praise God, to enter in. So if you do that, contact Faithfield Church. They'd love to help you with the most important decision you'll ever make, praise God. So let's look through this. And I'm going to start with verse 15. This is Matthew 14, verse 15. It says, it, in verse 15, it says that it was a deserted place and the hour is late. The disciples said to Jesus, you know what? This is a deserted place. And the hour is late. And I like how they say this. It's almost like they're saying to Jesus, you know what? This is a bad situation. The hour is late and the place is deserted. If you think about it, this is like a bad report. They've come to Jesus and say, look, this is a, we're in the middle of nowhere here. There's no restaurants. There's no drive throughs There's nowhere to get food from. We're in a deserted place and the hour's late. So we're in the wrong place and, and seemingly in the wrong time. And, you know, some of you may think, well, Ashley, you don't understand how old I am. You don't understand how young I am, maybe. You don't understand where I come from, where my family's come from. You don't understand how much education I have or haven't got. You don't understand how, many, how much resource I have or haven't got. And you may make excuses about how God can't use you. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter how deserted the place looks you're in. It doesn't matter where you are physically and geographically, but also in your life right now. You might feel like you're in a deserted place. You might feel like the Lord's a long way away. I'm here to tell you, he's not. He's right there with you. And really, with the Lord, there's no such thing as a deserted place. And with the Lord, there's no such thing as being too late, the hour too late. The Lord is an expert in taking people from what looks like impossible situations and performing miracles through them. He's an expert in taking people who looks like there's no way out, there's no way of escape, it's impossible, and, and creating a miraculous situation for them to proceed. That you, we could go story after story about how God takes something and makes it into something. God takes some losers, if you like, some nobodies, some down and outs. You know, he chooses the lowly things. You know, I love that scripture that Paul talks about. He takes the lowly things, the base things, praise God, and uses them. He takes the seemingly foolish people and makes them wise. The Lord uses people, ordinary people. And really what he's talking about is in James 4, 6, and 7, he's talking about that he exalts the humble but makes lowly the, proud, the pride, the, the people that are proud. If you have pride and you say, I don't need God, he can't use you because you're not letting him use you. But if you get to the point and say, you know what? I need God. Without God, I can't do anything. You know what? He can use that type of person. He can use the humble person who says, Lord, help me. You know, without God, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And really, we need faith to say, Lord, help me. And that's a great prayer. And he can take you from the seemingly deserted place. Maybe it looks barren where you're at. Maybe there's, everything's against you. Maybe the doctor spoke against you. Maybe the, the bank's spoken against you. Maybe, you know, maybe you, you, it looks like it's impossible. You'll never own property. Maybe it looks like it's impossible. You'll never own a car. Maybe it looks impossible. You'll never have to have your own business. Or you'll never get married. Or whatever these things are. It looks deserted. And maybe you're thinking, man, the hour's getting late. Everyone else around me has already got their breakthrough. And I haven't yet. And God is an expert in taking situations like that and turning them around, praise God. He can make a way where there seems to be no way. And I'm telling you, if he can, make, if he can open a sea up, in, he can open the Red Sea and send the Israelites through on dry ground. He can make your miracle happen. He can make your thing happen if you trust him, praise God. So there's no such thing as too late, if you like. You know, I love the story of Abraham. It seemed like it was impossible for him. You can pick this up. We won't, we won't go through it. But in Romans 4, it talks about Abraham. In Romans 4.19, it says, In not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. So think about this. Abraham's body was already dead. He says it was already dead since uh, he was about 100 years old. Or the deadness of Sarah's womb. So Sarah was barren. She was in her 90s. She was not having children. 
His body was dead. We won't go into graphic detail for the children, but nothing was happening with him either. Praise the Lord. So it was a bad situation, okay, on both sides. It wasn't just one of them. It was both of them. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. See, God gave him a promise. He said, Abraham, you can be the father of many nations. Well, in the natural, it looked like it wasn't going to happen. But he says here, he did not waver at God's promise and, um, through unbelief. But he was strengthened by, in faith, giving glory to God. And, you know, Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90 years old. This is an impossible situation. But you know what? He did not waver at God's promises. All he focused on was God's promises. He looked at those stars and said, one day I'm going to have my family, my children are going to be as numerous as the stars. He looked at the sand under his feet every day. You know, it was in the desert. He said, my children are going to be that popular. We need to look at the word of God every day. Use these resources. Use the resources that, that the pastors have here, these books that they have here. Use the, use the online resources. Use everything Faithfield can give you. Go to the boot camps. Do all these things. Keep the promises of God in front of you. Keep the word of God in front of you. Because otherwise, the, the deserted place and the, and the hour is late is going to keep speaking to you. The circumstances are going to keep speaking to you. Just ignore those and keep your eyes on the promises, praise God, and he can do it for you. There's so many times we've seen the miraculous happen because we've decided to believe the promises of God rather than the circumstances. So the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. That's why I love Faithfield Church. It's a great, that's a, a great verse they use. You know, we walk by faith and not by sight. And the truth is, walking by faith is not some mysterious thing. It's not some mystical thing. It's not some weird flaky thing. I'm walking by faith. And you type of, and you type of, you're, you know, you're, you're just, your head's in the clouds and you're just, it's just, I know people like that. What are we going to do tomorrow? I'm going to just pray and walk by faith. And anyway, I know people, I know someone who's going on a mission trip. True story, leading a mission trip. And I said, oh, who are you flying with? I said, oh, I haven't got tickets yet. I said, you're going in a couple of weeks. They said, yeah, I'm just going to go to the airport and I'm going to just get on the plane by faith. I was like, if you try and get on a plane by faith, you're going to jail by faith. They're going to put you in prison by faith. I said, that's not going to work. So we're not talking about weird faith. Walking by faith, you don't have to be weird. Walking by faith, all it is, is believing. Yeah, you get a jail by faith. Is believing the word of God more than your circumstances. If you want to walk by faith... My body's in pain. My finances are zero or in debt. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in my marriage. I don't know what's going to happen here in my business. Everything's against me. I've got confusion. I've got anxiety. But I choose to believe the promises of God. I choose to believe the word of God. I'm going to speak over myself and say, I thank you, Lord, I have the mind of Christ. I thank you, Lord, I have a sound mind. I thank you, Lord, as for me and my house, we're going to, we're going to serve the Lord. I thank you, Lord, I'm prosperous. And everything I touch uh, prospers, praise God. I thank you for increase. I thank you, Lord, that you start thanking the Lord. I thank you, Lord, I'm healed in my body. I thank you that by your stripes, I am healed. And you choose to believe the word of God rather than the circumstances. That's walking by faith. And the world will say, you know, well, I'll, I'll believe if I see it. Well, that's a lie because lots of people saw Jesus, they still didn't believe. And lots of people still see miracles and they still don't believe. So the world will say, I'll believe it if I see it. Us as believers, we say, we'll see it when we believe it. And when we believe it and, and truly believe it in our hearts and we start giving thanks for God, saying, God, thank you. Thank you for my breakthrough. Thank, whatever that breakthrough is, you start thanking God for your breakthrough, you're going to see it in the natural. I'm telling you, it starts in the spiritual and it flows down to the natural. The spiritual is apparent full. So you start believing it and you're going to see it, praise God. Let's move on. Verse 16. Jesus, is very interesting in verse 16. Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. Jesus charged his disciples to give them something to eat. Did you know this miracle was meant to happen through the disciples? or The disciples were meant to lead it, not Jesus. He was trying to train them and coach them in the things of God. Did you know you are meant to do the work of the ministry? The work of the ministry is not meant to be done through your pastors alone. 
You're not meant to have, and unfortunately we live in a world sometimes where we have the pastors on stage and they preach and teach the word and everything else and everyone else just watches them and thinks that's amazing. And if you need a miracle or if your neighbor needs a miracle, you're going to have to bring them for the pastor to pray for. Now there's nothing wrong with that. But a far better model is, is that you lay hands on the sick and they recover. You're the one that can pray. You're the one that can raise the dead and cast out devils. You're the one who can do those things. You are called to do the work of the ministry. See, in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it talks about how God has set some to be apostles, um, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Okay, I like using my hand. I remember it that way. And I also say that that's like five-fold ministry. And I say sometimes I want to give some people some five-fold ministry. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's a five-fold ministry. So the five-fold ministry, I really believe, is, is power. And you haven't heard this. It's a little cheesy. I think Dr. Lester Sum will come up with this, but I'd probably like it. Apostles, they're the called-out ones. They're the ones that actually uh, uh, stick out. They work very closely with the other f- uh, four offices, the, the, the pulpit offices. And then the prophets, they point the way. The apostles and the prophets together, Ephesians uh, 2.20 says the church is built on the apostles and the prophets. It's like a gun, the apostles and the prophets. Then you have the evangelists. They reach out further. You have to be careful how you do this one. The evangelists reach out. <laughs> I made a mistake the first time I did this. I was like, woo. <laughs> so the evangelists, they reach out further see, than anyone else. Our son, Josh, at the moment, he's... He's been trained in evangelism. He's actually in Uganda right now, seeing literally hundreds of children born again, hundreds of kids, high school kids born again right now. Josh Teredes, who was trained here by uh, uh, Tafara and the staff here, now is in Uganda uh, preaching the gospel. Then you have the pastor who's married to the church. Okay, I told you it was cheesy. Then it gets really cheesy. The teacher, the teacher, you know, that helps you understand things. It goes in your ear, helps you understand things. Anyway, fivefold ministry, so maybe you remember that. But the... <laughs> Five-fold ministry. So, um, but the thing is with the five-fold ministry is it says Jesus set some in the body of Christ to do these things. That's not everyone. Only some people are called to do that. And the five-fold ministers are meant to be the greatest servants. Although they lead, they're meant to be the greatest servants. Jesus led by serving. And the idea of the five-fold ministries is, is that they're the ones that train you up and coach you up in the ministry. So it says there in Ephesians 4.11, it says, Why did Jesus put some in the five-fold offices? For the equipping of the saints. Who are the saints? You're the saints. If you've given your life to Jesus, you are a saint. You might say, Ashley, you should have seen me drive here. I'm no saint. You should have seen me and my wife arguing in the car. We've been there. You're arguing in the car. You get the car. Hi, pastor. <laughs> so, come to marriage boot camp. Is that what you need to do? Marriage boot camp. Marriage boot camp. But you might say, I don't feel like a saint. It doesn't matter what you feel like. The truth is, the word of God says, if you're born again today, in your spirit, you're a saint. So for the equipping of the saints, Why? For the work of the ministry. So the fivefold ministers are meant to equip you for the work of the ministry. That's what's meant to happen. And we're meant to be doing the work of the ministry. So I say all that to say, Jesus wanted the disciples to do the miracle. Jesus wanted the disciples to give them something to eat. You already have everything you need on the inside. You may need some training. You may need some, some empowering, if you like. But you already, when you got born again, you received everything Jesus paid for on the inside of you. So you're not going out there looking for healing that you might get or might not get. You already have the healer on the inside of you. You're not going out there looking for prosperity that you might or might not get. You already have prosperity living on the inside of you. You need to release what you already have is what it's about. And the disciples were capable of doing this miracle on their own without Jesus. Do you know that? They could actually do this on their own, but they, they didn't know how to. And Jesus had to train them how to do it. But it's very interesting. You know, I like what um, Peter says in 2 Peter 1 verse 3. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, His divine power has given to us, talking about me and you, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How do we get those things? How do we release those things? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. 
We already have it. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, We are completing him, for in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are completing him, who is the head of all principalities and all powers. We have everything we need. That's why um, the Apostle Paul calls us more than conquerors. You know, Romans 8, 37, he says, You are more than a conqueror. Why? Because Jesus already paid for it. Now we just get to live it out. We get to release what Jesus already done. So the disciples should have really done this themselves, but he did, they didn't. So Jesus was like, Okay, I'll coach you. I'll show you how it's done. Let's, let me show you. And later on, they had the feeding of the 4,000. They had to do it again. They were a little slow in learning. I call them the disciples. But, but, you know, give them a break because we would probably be the same if we was in that situation. And I don't make too much fun of the disciples. Like, people make fun of Peter. I'm like, you're on slippery ground there. You're going to meet him one day in heaven. He, might, he was a big fisherman. He might give you some fivefold ministry if you're not careful. So he says here, it says that the disciples came to him in verse 17. And they said, we have here only five loaves and two fish. You know, in John's gospel account of this, it says, uh, what are so few among so many? The disciples said, well, here we have five loaves and two fish, but we have 5,000 men. What are so few? This is, this is ridiculous. This is not going to work. We just have a few fish and a few loaves. How can this feed 5,000 people? This is a seemingly impossible situation. This is like having, you know, $200,000 debt and you have like $5. This is like, this is a seemingly impossible situation. This might be like the doctor telling you're going to die in a week. Now, our daughter had one week to live. The doctors gave her one week to live, and that was 17 years ago. You know what? God is an expert. When the hour seems late and it's a deserted place, when it seems like it's not enough, God's an expert in turning things around. And that was 17 years ago, and I'm here to tell you she's 100% well and healthy, not one thing wrong with her right now, praise God. In fact, uh, since last time I was here, actually last time I was here, I guess she was already married. She got married. Yeah, must be, yeah, because we was here in 2020, 2022. She got married in the beginning of 2022, so she got married. And, but since I was last here, she gave us a grandson. So we had a little nine-month-old grandson, praise God. So, so the devil tried to kill our daughter, and um, he overplayed his hand, and now we have more than enough. Now we have a new son-in-law, and we have a new grandson, praise God. So God is an expert in this. So when it's seemingly impossible or seemingly too few, uh, don't worry about it, because what happens is, is God will provide for you through seed form. People need to understand this. God provides in seed form. He doesn't usually provide you with a harvest. He provides you with seed. So what happens is we often miss it because we say, well, I prayed for God to provide or I believe that God's my provider. And then all he gave me was this seed. And this seed isn't enough. And what we do is we end up eating the seed. See, the disciples here, they were hungry too. So they could have eaten these five loaves and two fish. So hang on, lads. I found a little boy here who's got five loaves, two fish. Let's have ourselves a snack so we're not hungry. Forget about these other 5,000 people. And they could have eaten those five loaves and two fish. Then those 5,000 men wouldn't have been fed. And you could have said, well, I thought God was going to provide. No, God did provide through seed form. But they ate the seed. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, it says, God gives seed to the sower and bread to eat. And he increases the seed that you sow. So God will give you seed. It's up to you if you're going to sow it or not. And unless you're one of these real health people, nothing against this, but seeds aren't to be eaten. Seeds are to be sown. Bread and meat and vegetables, they're to be eaten. But seeds are to be sown. I'm sorry that messed you up. I guess some seeds are good for you. But I'm just saying, as a whole, don't eat seed. Eat the meat. Eat the bread, praise God. Eat bread. Don't eat seed. And, and what happens if you eat seed, you'll be hungry very quickly and you'll have a need again very quickly. You know, imagine if I had an apple up here. I could have an apple and inside that apple would be some seeds, right? Now, if I took a, part, a portion of that apple and I sowed those seeds in the ground, what would happen eventually is those seeds would grow into trees. 
This is another reason why we get discouraged when it comes to God's provision because we're looking for instantaneous miracles. We're looking for things to happen. Now, that does happen sometimes. I'm not against that. But a lot of the time, it's seed, time, harvest. We sow and it takes time for these things to come about. So if you took some seeds out of your apple and planted them in the ground, eventually you'd have an apple tree. And that apple tree would produce more apples and every one of those apples would have seeds in it. And now you're talking about exponential growth. Now you're talking about compound interest. Now you're talking about all of a sudden you've got more than enough. You've got an abundance. You've got increase. But you have to make the decision to sow the seeds. Or if you took that whole apple and ate the whole apple, seeds and all, you've had one meal if you like, that's it. And no more increase. So when God gives us increase, when God gives you income, whatever it is, however small, seemingly small it is, it's so important for us to take a portion of that and sow it. You know, in Proverbs uh, 3, verses 9 and 10, in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your first fruits. Honor the Lord with your increase. This is one of the ways we honor God. We honor God with our giving. And God has set it up so that when money comes to us, we can take a portion of that money and give it away. You must say, actually, you don't understand. I can't make as it is. I can't afford to give. I tell people, if you can't afford to give, you can't afford not to give. Like, you need to, you need to understand how it works because God's not a liar. So the word of God says he will give seed to the sowers. If you want to sow, God will give you seed to sow. And you might say, well, actually, I've only got a dollar. I've only got 10 rand or whatever it is. It's, it's seemingly not enough. You know, the, the, uh, we won't, haven't got time to go there, but the widow woman, she came and she had two mites, like very small amount of money, 50 cents, a, a, a one US dollar, whatever, you know, 10 rand or 20 rand. I mean, she did not have a lot, but she sowed that. She sowed that to God and Jesus stopped everything and said, hey, this is some generous giving happening. Even though the businessmen gave him their big checks and they gave him their big offerings, and he wasn't against that, but he said, this woman has given all she had. Now, we concentrate a lot of the time on that story, and we say, yeah, she only gave two mites, so it doesn't matter how much I give. You know, I might have you know, $10,000 in the bank, but I'm just going to give $10 today because it doesn't matter because she gave two mites. The amounts do matter. We concentrate on the she only had two mites, but Jesus was concentrating on she gave all she had. See, she gave all she had. That was a generous gift. He only got, you know, if we just give a little bit and it doesn't affect us, then we put it another way. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians. I wasn't going to go there, but it's good. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse, uh, um, I believe it's verses 6 and 7. It talks about you can sow generously and you can reap generously or you can sow, bountiful, or you can sow stingily or sparingly and you'll reap sparingly. So it's up to you how much harvest you have. But God is so fair. God's so awesome. He set it up that everybody can sow generously. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter what, what job you have or don't have. It doesn't matter how much money you have or haven't got. God set it up that every one of you can be generous. In fact, if you're the person here today that says, Ashley, I'm broke. Like, I'm poor. Like, I can't pay attention. It's easier for you, it's easier for you to give generously than a, a quote-unquote rich businessman here today who has hundreds of thousands in the bank. I'm just telling you, because for you to give generously, it's not going to take much, because you haven't got much to give. <laughs> God's told me a few times, let me tell you, I've had the privilege a few times of doing the, the rich young ruler thing, where Jesus said, go, sell all you have, give all your money away to the poor. God's told us to do that a few times, and it gets your attention. First time God told me, give everything, I was like, I can't hear you, Lord. <laughs> Must be the devil telling me to do this. I said... I said, no, Lord, please, let's reason together. I said, Lord, that's all the money I've got. And he said, that's all I'm asking you to give. That's a generous gift. Now, I'm not saying you have to give everything. I'm just saying you have to give to the point where it gets your attention. When you give to the point where it gets your attention, what happens is, is it gets heaven's attention. I'm telling you, in Acts 10, there's a guy called Cornelius. 
And, and uh, the Lord says, you know what? His arms, his giving, and his prayers have come up before me. I notice these things. God notices these things. You might say, actually, how do I know if I'm being generous or not? Well, your flesh will tell you. If you start shaking, if you think that your heart start beating, like, oh, you start sweating. You're like, oh, Lord, please. You put the money in the bucket, you're like, it's gone. My money's gone. You wake up in the morning. You probably didn't sleep, but you woke up in the morning like, what did I do? Help me, Jesus. I'm going to... I mean, you're not, you're not looking for the harvest. You just settle for a refund. If, you're that, I've, if you've given, he said, Lord, can we just have a refund? I'll just take a refund. I don't get no increase. Just give me a refund. That's a generous gift. We've done this before, I tell you. We've done this a few times before, and it will get your attention. But hold on, because if you've, if you've sown generously, you're going to reap generously. God is not, uh, uh, Galatians 6, God does not lie. God is not mocked. He, whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. You're going to reap generously if you sow generously. And I'll just tell you this story. I wasn't planning to share this, but I'll share it. Uh, a couple of years ago, me and Carly needed a ministry facility for our ministry. We was borrowing a church um, facility, which was great. We were very blessed to have our ministry in, in, in church offices and was very thankful. But it was like, it's time for us to have our own place. And um, for lots of reasons. So anyway, we, um, we decided to look for somewhere and we looked at these commercial buildings, and they, were, they weren't very nice, and they were, they were asking too much money. And, you know, we're not a church, so we didn't have to have somewhere like that people can get to. All we need is our staff and our TV studios and things like that. So we started thinking about what about property like land. So I'm already thinking about maybe if we bought a big house on some land, we could ter- convert it into ministry offices, and it would be nice. You know, we live in Colorado, so it's beautiful landscape out there. So I thought we could get a big house on a piece of land, convert it into ministry offices. As I'm thinking this way... Andrew Womack texts me. Now, he's on our board of directors uh, with Billy Epperhart as well, but um, he didn't know he was looking for property. He texts me. He said, he said actually, he said, many years ago, uh, you said to me that you'd be interested in buying my house if I ever moved. And I did. I said, Andrew, if you ever move, I'd love this house. He built it himself 35 years ago, and it's on 26 acres overlooking Pikes Peak. It's beautiful. And I, but he said, I'll never move. He said, I'm never going to move. I'm never going to move. Well, they decided to move closer to the, their ministry, so um, I said, I almost said no because I didn't want to live there. It was a long way out. And then the Lord said to me, he said, this is your new ministry headquarters. I was like, praise the Lord. So anyway, we bought it. He gave us a great discount. We bought it. We completely converted it into ministry offices. Your pastors have been there and seen it. We have TV studios of eight offices. We have Andrew's prayer trails that we walk every day. You know, we have these prayer trails built. We walk them every We have these big rock we sit on and all that. But my point being, about a year before that, the Lord spoke to me to say, give the biggest offering I've ever given, one-time offering, to uh, Andrew's ministry, and I was actually at the point of saying, that's all, this, all the money we have. I mean, that's everything we have in the ministry. We have payroll, television bills, all that. And the Lord said, that's all I'm asking you to give. So we gave everything. I mean, we just gave it all to him. And don't do this unless the Lord speaks to you. But he, we gave everything. Praise God, it's stuff of, stuff of awkward when you talk to your landlord. Well, I gave your rent money away to the church. It's <laughs> having debt collectors turn up at Faithfield Church. <laughs> We're here for our money. So anyway, don't do it but God spoke to us to do this. And you know what? We didn't do it for any other reason, but we loved the Lord. We wanted to honor the Lord of our first fruits. We want to honor the Lord of our increase. And, and Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, when you honor the Lord of your increase, guess what's going to happen? He's going to fill your barns, and he's going to make your vats overflow with new wine. So we gave that biggest offering ever, and guess what happened? A year later, without us even thinking about it, a year later, we got a tenfold return on that, and we got this property that was worth tenfold that offering, and the money came in. We paid cash for that property, 
We never take, took out a mortgage. We paid cash for that property. And the first time I walked the prayer trails, I started walking these prayer trails. I was like, thank you, Jesus. These two miles of prayer trails, Andrew Romack walked them every day for 35 years. I now get to walk these prayer trails. And the Lord said, surprise. He said, I can do above even what you can hope and imagine. Your sowing, your giving will bring you things money could never buy. See, money couldn't have bought that. Come on. Money could not have bought that, but guess what happened? My, our giving will bring us things money could never buy. This works in every area. You're not bribing God. You're not twisting God's arm. What you're doing is you're tapping into this supernatural resource and you're moving your heart. Um, Matthew 6.21, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So when you give to the kingdom of God, you're moving your heart in the direction of the Lord. You're moving your heart into the kingdom of God. You can guide your heart, it says in Proverbs. So when you give financially, you're actually guiding your heart. You give to what you love anyway. So whatever you love, you give. So the more you give, the more it's going to help your relationship with the Lord, praise God. So that was all for free, a bonus. Let's get back to the feeding of the 5,000. It says here, we only have two loaves, two fish. Jesus says, bring them here to me. In the hands of Jesus, I'm telling you, everything changes. Your job, your business, your marriage, your situation. Colossians 3, verses 17 and 23 says, whatever you do in word or deed, whatever job you do, whatever business you do, whatever, whether you're a full-time parent, whether you're a student, whatever you do, if you do it as unto the Lord, do it wholeheartedly. Do it, do it as unto the Lord. Do it as unto worship to the Lord. I'm telling you, it's going to make all the difference. You know, in the Hebrew, the word worship and work are the same word. So when people work, you know, when the Jewish people work, they believe they're worshipping God as well. God said the very first, I got this from Pastor T, the very first thing God said to Adam and Eve in the message translations, Genesis 1.28 says, prosper, take dominion, be creative. Put your effort into it. You know, but, you know, he actually wants us to reproduce, to prosper. And I believe that this is still his will right now. So in the hands of Jesus, everything changes. They gave Jesus the, the, uh, the, uh, the loaves and the fish. He said, sit them down. You know, he had order. There's order. God has order. He'll have specific instructions for you. God will give you specific instructions. He said, sit them down in groups of 50. He knows how to do this thing. And then it says in verse 19, it says, looking up to heaven, Jesus took these loaves and fish. This was the seed. This was not the harvest. This was not enough. This was just a few loaves and a few fish. But Jesus looking up to heaven, if you read this and study this out, it means Jesus looking beyond the natural. Jesus looking beyond the natural circumstances. Jesus looking by faith rather than by sight. Jesus looking in the supernatural rather than in the natural. Jesus looking in the above only and not beneath. Jesus looking in the internal rather than the temporary. He looked and he said, you know what? Thank you, Lord, for this seed. How many of us are thanking God for our seed? How many of us are saying, Lord, thank you for my job. Thank you for my business. In the natural, it's not paying enough. In the natural, I'm not getting ahead. In the natural, it's not enough. But I thank you for this seed, Lord. And I'm doing this as unto you. And I'm committing this seed to you. And I thank you, Lord, that you can, you can, in your hands, you can turn it around. So he looked up to heaven. He blessed them. Instead of cursing the seed and saying, this isn't enough. This isn't going to work. He blessed it and said, thank you for this seed. He blessed the seed. And then he handed it out to the disciples. And the disciples started handing it out to the to the. 5,000, and guess what? The 5,000 all ate and all were filled and there was more than enough. See, when God provides, he provides more than enough. When you do it God's way, he isn't just about doing one thing. He's about going beyond our expectations. And I can't tell you how many times we've trusted God in this area and what's happened is his, we, our expectation is one thing. He's taken us beyond. He's, take, he's given us more than we expected. See, God's a God of generosity. He's a giving God. He's not a taking God. His very nature is love. You cannot have an encounter with God outside of love because he is love. And therefore, he is good. Everything God does is good. When he asks you to do something, it's for, it's for our own good because he loves us. He's a good God. When he spoke to the rich young ruler and said, sell all you have, he said Jesus, looking at him, loved him. said, sell all you have and give to the poor. So everything God's asking you to do is because he loves you. So when he asks us to give financially, for instance, 
He's actually trying to get more to us. He's not trying to take from us. He's trying to get more to us. He wants us to sow those seeds so that they can produce a harvest and even more. These seeds were sown, if you like, here. And guess what? A harvest was produced. So there was more than enough, praise God. They had so much. They were all full. And they had 12 baskets of leftovers. God's just not enough. He's more than enough. And when he provides, he wants to give you more than you need. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 puts it this way. This is God's definition of rich, if you like. This is God's definition of, of how he wants his children to live in the area of resources. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 puts it this way. For God is able to make all grace abound towards you. So this is a grace thing. Grace means God's unmerited favor, God's provision, God's blessing on you. God's already provided it for you. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you have in all sufficiency in all things. Meaning that your needs are met all the time. How do you want your needs met all the time? I want my needs met all the time, praise God. The rent paid all the time. The mortgage paid all the time. All your needs met all the time. All sufficiency in all things. That's a great place to be in your businesses, in your ministries, in your personal finances. All sufficiency in all things. But if it stopped there, it would be selfish. And people say to me, Ashley, I think you're selfish. You're one of these greedy preachers because you're always asking us to believe for more. And I say, well, how much do you want to believe God for? I say, I just... I want to live a humble life, and I just want enough to pay my rent on my mortgage. I just want enough to feed my family, and that's it. I said, well, you're selfish then. I said, because you're not believing God for extra, and here's the purpose of the extra. We're reading it right now. It doesn't just end there. It's not just about you. It says that you may have an abundance for every good work, that you may abound to every good work. So God's idea of being rich is your needs met, but if it stops there, that's not being rich. Rich is having an abundance for every good work, being able to give to your church, being able to give to missionaries, seeing a neighbor in need and being able to give to them. How many? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I believe you have the nature of God in you, so you want to be generous. If you see someone in need... If your neighbor's car just broke down, you'd love to be able to fix that car, get them a new car. If you've got a neighbor who needs food, you'd love to be able to buy them groceries. If you see someone in, who needs to go to, you know, you'd love to be able to bless people and help people. And when you help people, I tell you, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And one way you can show them is by giving. And when you give into churches like Faithfield Church, you're getting the gospel out. You know, Deuteronomy 8.18, I'm coming to land. Deuteronomy 8.18, one of my favorite verses, Deuteronomy 8.18 says that, do not forget the Lord your God. Remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives you the power to get wealth. Why has God given you the power to get wealth? One, because he loves you and he wants to provide for you. But it says there that he may establish his covenant as he swore to your fathers. God wants us to be wealthy. God wants us to be rich. God wants us to have resources so that he can establish his covenant. What's God's covenant? He wants to show the world how much he loves them. He wants to show the world that he wants a relationship with them. He wants to show every single person, hey, I love you, I died for you, and I want you to accept me so you can have a relationship with me. That's God's covenant. So why would we not want to help God fulfill his covenant? So what happens is, as we exercise our right to produce wealth, God doesn't give us money directly. He gives us the power to get money. He gives the power to get wealth. And I'm telling you, every single one of you, God has bestowed this on, if you choose to believe it. I tell people there's two types of Christians. There's those who are born again, blessed, and believe it. And there's those who are born again, blessed, and don't believe it. Okay? If you get born again, you're automatically blessed. You're blessed with believing Abraham. You've already got the blessing on you. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he has no sorrow to it. So part of the atonement was to provide for your needs, and not just enough, but more than enough. So if you're born again today, you're already blessed. The point is, are you going to believe it and exercise that right? Are you going to start living in what Jesus paid for? It's the same with healing. If you need healing, praise God, it's the same thing. Are you going to believe it or are you not going to believe it? 
You had to believe it to be saved, right? You had to believe it to receive Jesus. You have to believe it also in the area of resources. And it's very simple. You just start believing it and saying, God, thank you that you've prospered me. Thank you whatever I put my hand to prospers. Thank you, Lord, for my job. Thank you, Lord, for my boss. A lot of these prayers you have to pray by faith. Thank you, Lord, for my boss. Thank you, Lord, I have favor. Thank you, Lord, I'm blessed wherever I go. If your boss is here, be careful. But, uh, thank, you. thank you, I have favor. Thank you, Lord, whatever I touch prospers. Thank you, Lord, whatever I do. You know, God blesses the work of the diligence. Two more scriptures, then I'm going to turn this over. I already told you, Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Well, Proverbs 13.4 says, The diligent soul shall be made rich. The diligent soul. There's diligence involved. Even this feeding the 5,000, Jesus had to sit them down in groups of 50, organize them. Then he had to organize a distribution chain where they were ripping the bread and taking it and passing it around. There was diligence happening there. It didn't just rain from heaven. They had to be diligent in spreading to 5,000 or 25,000 people. There's diligence. You have to be diligent to put your hand to something. You have to be diligent to believe the word of God. You have to be diligent to go to work and be faithful. I'm telling you, you're going to work and be faithful. If you're going to work on time and tell the truth, you're already above 80% of the people anyway. So go do a hard day's work. Do it as unto the Lord. Be diligent. The diligent soul should be made rich. And then Proverbs 11.25, Proverbs 11.25 says the generous soul should be made rich. The generous soul should be made rich. And Proverbs 11.24, the verse before that, says there's one who gives liberally, there's one who sows liberally, there's one who scatters, yet increases more, yet there's one who withholds more on his right, and it leads to poverty. I'm here to tell you, church, by faith, Jesus has provided everything you need. And he has, by grace, given you everything you need to produce wealth. Praise God. But our response by faith is to say, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to put my hand to something. God will increase the works of your hands. He'll bless the works of your hand. A hundredfold of nothing is nothing. So you have to give God something to work with. Every time there's supernatural increase. Every time. Old Testament, New Testament. Just like here, there's something natural given to God first. The loaves, the fish, the water pots for the water into wine. The, the stick to make the axes float. Peter had to go fishing to catch a fish to catch the, get the coin to pay the taxes. The disciples had to throw the nets over the other side. There's always a natural action, and God will put his super to your natural. That's diligence, and then he'll give you the supernatural. And then generosity, generous. When you give to God, he's going to increase what you give him. He'll always increase the seed that you sow. He'll always increase whatever you sow. He'll always produce abundance, always produce increase. Acts 20, 35 Acts 20.35 says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So when you give, you're going to increase, praise God. You put those two things together by faith, and you start believing the word, you can't help but prosper. I'm telling you, God wants to prosper, and God wants us to prosper as a church and as a body of Christ right now in these times, because he needs us. He needs us to be able to help people. He needs us to get the gospel out. He needs us to travel the world to tell people about Jesus. He needs us to plant good churches. He needs us to go on television to tell people how much he loves them. He needs us to spread the gospel. He needs us to help him establish his covenant. And that takes money sometimes. That takes money. You know the golden rule? He who has the gold makes the rules. So money gives influence. And we can use that influence for good. Why let the enemy and the world and evil have all the money? The money should be in the body of Christ so that we can influence people for good and we can help more people. Amen. Praise God. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for this story, Lord, how you provided for your people. And I thank you, Lord, you've given us the power to get wealth. I thank you, Lord, that everything we touch prospers. I thank you, Lord, just like you supernaturally increase those loaves and fish, you can supernaturally increase our finances. You can bring about a miracle. Lord, even if it's a deserted place and the hour's late, I thank you, Lord, you're an expert in bringing about the miraculous. You're an expert in making a way through. You're an expert in giving us a way of escape. And I proclaim right now over Faith Hill Church, right now today, for more than enough anointing right now, more than enough. 
in Jesus' name. I thank you for supernatural increase. I thank you for testimonies of promotions, supernatural debt release, businesses, new contracts, new customers. I thank you that Faithful Church will be known for one of those rich churches. But not just rich so they can lavish it on themselves, but rich so they can help their communities, rich so they can get the gospel out, rich so they can plant more churches, feed the hungry, tell people about Jesus. I thank you that we're going to abound to every good work. Our prayer is, Lord, we'll have an abundance for every good work in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. We walk by faith and not by